computer. All right. Hi, hello, everybody. We are back with another episode of the Fuck You Mentality. Uh, I feel like I've been on a roll with interviewing people, which I've been really excited about because I've been wanting to kick off this this brand for quite some time now. Um, it's just been hard because I manage a lot of things. But either way, so today's guest, we have someone kind of cool because I met this person kind of by fluke, kind of by happenstance. It was kind of like a like a whirlwind of how we met, honestly. Um, I met this person when I went to New York Fashion Week and we instantly hit it off. We kind of talked about authenticity, about big brands. And she talked about her why behind why she does, why she's behind the chair. So this is a hairdresser. Um, but we had a really cool conversation about um, what was it about? It was about social media. And she had said, like, I was talking to her about some like imposter syndrome and stuff like that. And she was like, wow, you know, I didn't realize you dealt with that. So I feel like if anyone to bring onto the podcast that is new to my life is this individual just because she is very receptive to these kinds of things. Uh, and it seems to me that she wants more out of life than just being, than just being, you know? So without further ado, I welcome my friend. Please introduce yourself. Who the hell are you? Why are you on here? Amen, sister. My name is Robin and uh, Robin Dubois. And um, I own Honeycomb Hair Studio, which is in Cranston, Rhode Island. And yeah, we met during Fashion Week and I loved the conversation that we had. I'll always remember that beautiful conversation at that gorgeous bar in Italy. Yeah. Um, it just, I don't know, it just happened. It just, we went there real quick and it definitely surprised me that um, when we were talking that you had such insight on imposter syndrome because from the outside looking in, it does not look that way, sister. So I really love talking with you just about um, like your journey and got to learn your story a little bit, which I loved. And I thought that I'm just super impressed by the past year of your life alone, <laughs> I think is beautiful. And, um, you know, I really want to attract people around me that share the same vibe, the same goals and are really mission oriented. So I definitely wanted to talk with you more and, um, and just keep you around so that we can have these meaningful conversations and bounce these ideas off of each other about what it's like to be in this industry and to have these goals and move forward and what that looks like. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. It's funny because I, so I actually made a video about ADHD because of what you had said to me, how you were like, this doesn't look like, you, you don't look like you're dealing with this, not ADHD, but you had said like the imposter syndrome, how I was so insightful. And you kind of sparked a fire to my ass. I, I preach about being vulnerable and being transparent with people, but I didn't realize there was a side of me that maybe not a lot of people know about, which mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't realize that they didn't know, like, you know, like imposter syndrome. And I don't really talk about my ADHD and I don't, I don't talk about that kind of stuff. And I felt like I did, but I kind of didn't, you know? So it kind of helped me a lot because, oops, um, I didn't realize that I wasn't exactly as true to myself as I was leading on, as I preach about, you know, being authentic and being real to yourself. But I kind of wasn't practicing what I was preaching. And then when you kind of called it out, I was like, fuck, she's kind of right. I don't, I got kind of, you know, everyone gets kind of caught up in like the, you know, post on social media and like post, 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 and like you have brand deals, yeah. whatever. Um, but I had to take a step back and was like, what is your brand about? Like, what, what are you doing here? You know? But besides that, I want you give give our audience like who are you? What do you do? What's your like? What's your purpose? Like, tell me about who you are. Cool. 
Well, that's so cool that I inspired that. I had no idea. I know exactly what video you're talking about. And that's awesome. That's so nice. You inspired that. Um, oh, I love that. Um, so my deal is um, I have been a hairstylist for 14 years. I have kind of a whirlwind of a story to, to make it as short as possible. I started in, I started beauty school in high school. So it was with a vocational tech program. So I started my sophomore year and I loved to skip school. God, I was so good at it. So you needed 1500 hours in the state of New Hampshire where I'm from. And I graduated, I think with like 1200, just because I skipped school a lot. And if I did show up to anything, cause was going to be my number one thing. So um, I got most of my hours, but then after I graduated, I had to high school, I had to go back and just finish it up. So I went to a secondary school, got like three or 500 hours there. And then I graduated at the age of 18 um, and had my license. I went to interview at a salon. It's a chain up here. It's called Hair Excitement. And I went to go to the interview, my first hair salon interview, and I worked a full eight hour day right at the interview. That is also the day that I realized that this industry is toxic because I realized it is only the owner, the manager working here. And she, it looks, she just had a baby like a month or two ago and she's back at work behind the chair, bringing her baby to work. It is only her and her baby at work. So I realized, you know, as I got older and um, started to see things a little clearer, I was pretty much hired to be a babysitter. I wasn't hired based on my technical skill or, you know, availability. It was this woman was running a one woman show and just needed a warm body in there to operate things. So that was short lived. Once I started to see things a little clearer, I was like, this is, this is really wild. Why is nobody working here except this owner? I figured there would be other um, coworkers there as well. So I worked there. I worked um, at a salon that, my friend had opened from beauty school and she was organic and plant-based and her story was really cool because her mom had undergone chemo. She had cancer and she was fighting it for a couple of years and luckily she survived, but her daughter, the one who opened the salon opened this because of all of the chemicals in the beauty industry. So everything was plant-based, nothing was going to mess with her body. Everything was gentle that was being absorbed in her skin. There was absolutely no toxic chemicals. So I was like, I want to get down with that shit. So it was about an hour commute for me, but I went down there and interviewed. We hit it off. I worked there for a few months and the commute ended up not being great. Also, I was very young too, so I wasn't the most responsible at this point. So I'm working around town at other salons now, and I end up working at two salons back to back that go under, just kaput, absolutely out of business. Um, the first one was due to poor leadership and management. She was almost never there. And I just went into that leadership position. I just asserted myself there because I thought that I, you know, I'm a fixer. I can fix things. I can make it work. I want it bad enough. So I did, but you know, you can't do that single-handedly. And that's a lot of responsibility for somebody who doesn't know backend numbers and all that. It just wasn't my responsibility. So that salon ended up crumbling. There was another salon that took us all in. That salon, we ended up finding out that we didn't have a job anymore through an eviction notice from the landlord. Just came knocking on our doors and gave us a paper. Rent hadn't been paid in a year. Holy shit. A year. Like, 
first of all, what landlord lets that slide for that long? A year, that is a long time. B, we had no idea. We, it was like the week before the, I don't, I forget if it was the power or the water. I think it was electricity, but the electricity went out. So we had no idea that anything was wrong. So we just thought it was a fluke and we all pitched in to turn the lights back on. And then the eviction notice happened and we realized what was going on. And I was a commission stylist still. So the owner stopped coming around and stopped giving out paychecks. And I was like, what the hell is like, I've got to, we got to go. But like this family that we have is so tight knit. I was one of the only commission stylists there. Everybody else was kind of veteran and um, booth renters. So everybody else had got another job at a booth renting salon. And I was like the little baby of the group. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how to tell me because I was still commission. So they felt really bad, but everybody else found another place to go. And I was like, okay, now, now it's my turn. I got to find somewhere to go. So I went to another commission salon. And at this point I knew I was moving away. So I was like, I'm going to go to the salon for one year and I'm just going to, you know, bring my clientele there. It's going to be great until I moved to Providence in Rhode Island. And this will be, this is my, my long-term goal. Like I'm only here for a short amount of time. And so I did work there for the year. It ended up being a pretty successful salon. It's pretty big. It's well known in the area, um, but it very much felt like a factory. And it was almost like I had the creativity pulled out of me because there were benchmarks and there was numbers you had to meet. And there was like these time constraints on what you could book for. And it was, there was absolutely no creative space to blossom or, try to experiment everything was just so cookie cutter and focused so I didn't realize it at the time and I'm I'm still just kind of coming to terms that that impacted me but it really just like melted away a lot of creativity for me so the time came and I moved to Providence and I worked at a salon that was really great to me for three years and um I just realized that I knew I wanted things done a certain way and I knew I was the only person who could do it. So no matter like what promises were made or what kind of culture is, is created, ultimately you are the only one who can create your environment and like your surroundings of what you want. So this one in Providence, it was plant-based. It was natural. It was, back to the roots of where I started when I started doing hair, doing all things holistic and non-toxic. And I loved that. I felt like I finally kind of made it back home in a way. And um, after I realized that my time was done at that salon and it was time to move on and do my own thing, I got to piece together everything that I loved from my past hair experience and bring it to this studio. So I love low-tox and non-toxic culture. I think that should be the way of the future. It should be the only way. I think we're slowly going there. And I like to keep my salon plastic free. It's very difficult because it's only indie brands that um, kind of offer refillable or aluminum or glass packaging. But that's very important to me. Being education-based is really important to me too. And I wanted to take all these things and create it into just the salad of what my brand looks like, because I didn't necessarily plan on creating a brand. I was, I made this opportunity for myself without the outcome of 
what that brand looked like in mind. So there's kind of a little story behind how that happened too, but not to sidetrack. Um, this is the fruition. Honeycomb Studio is the fruition of everything that I did like from my past career, like my past history of being in salons and nothing that I don't. With that being said though, it's of course always, it's always a ladder. There's always, I'm always climbing and I'm always growing, but these are things that I'm taking from it that I realize that are non-negotiables for me. And for me, that is being a plant-based vegan, non-toxic salon, including color products and being plastic free. Holy shit. A little winded story for you. <laughs> oh, that, that was, that was, I needed that. Like I, I like knowing the context and the why behind things. Um, I think it's important as stylists that are listening to this or anybody for that matter. It is so imperative to know your why I preach this to my students. I never want anybody to Stevie wonder through life, you know, kind of closing your eyes and just kind of seeing what works and throwing shit out a wall and seeing what sticks, you know, cause that's just not like yeah. life, you know, and especially as a creative, you know, we, it's hard for us because we have these, like, like I like that term salad. I wrote it down this like salad of a personality, you know, where a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, but it's very hard to curate that with bigger, bigger entities, like bigger salons, basically. It's really, really hard to curate that because not everyone's on the same page, which is absolutely like, you're going to get that regardless. But as yeah. someone who's genuinely creative, it is a massive fucking struggle because you almost feel like you're being put into a box and it's like putting a feral cat in a cage. You can't fucking do that, you know? Yeah. So to hear this too, you know, you have what's kind of beautiful is like when you opened up your studio, you you pulled some core values, you created these core values before you even opened it. And now you have these non-negotiables, and that is so fucking crucial. And I personally didn't realize what my non-negotiables were until kind of recently, you know. Um yeah. but you were able to kind of fight through the fire, you know, like walk through the fire and kind of pull different things from, from this fire to then create this like blissful, blissful place. And as much as we can both talk about how toxic the hair industry is, cause it is at the, every fucking industry is at this point, you know, everyone has their own aspects to it. Right. Mm. But what's important is that you find the beauty in it. You find the beauty in your industry. You find, you find the beauty in anything. And I think you really encapsulated that with just your whole explanation, like where you came from and like where you are right now and like what you've created and what you're projecting to create. Um, that's really awesome. That's, it's very inspirational to hear that because that's very similar to the same journey that I've dealt with, with my personal passes of careers or um, salons and stuff like that to mm. now. I know what I want, know what I will and cannot stand for. Um, so to anyone who's listening to this, I think the big thing to take away from what Robin just said was, you know, despite all of these odds against her and despite like a lot of really, really hard challenges, she was able to kind of compartmentalize in her brain. I want to be a hairdresser. I want to be a creative. How can I do this? That works for me. And that's yeah. the beauty of being self-made and being an entrepreneur is you have that right. You have that opportunity it just requires a lot of strength and a lot of mental capacity to do it. Um, and, but it, I'll be damned if it's not the most like freeing thing you've ever done. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I just, my career has helped me learn so much about myself in a way that I'm almost like, how did I not know these things about myself? Because what you said about like overcoming and compartmentalizing, there was a couple of years ago, a few years ago where my beauty school teacher that was um, in high school, she was awesome. Mrs. Ring. She is still, I still keep in contact with her. She is, she kept me on track in some really tumultuous years. She would, she would have to bribe me with a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. She would say, if you came to school tomorrow, I will have a, an iced coffee on your desk waiting for you if you show up. Some days I'd take her up, some days I don't know if it was there because I didn't show up. But she asked me one time to come in. She said, we're doing, um, we're doing, I forget what it was called, but it was essentially like alumni was coming back to share their stories from the different vocational fields that they were in. And she asked me to be a part of it. And I was like, sure, I have no idea what I'm going to do though, Miss Ring. Like, what do you want me to say? I was not your all-star student. I was passionate, but I ended up, actually I ended up getting kicked out of that program for speaking up against some things that weren't fair. And she was like, I just want you to come in and tell your story. So I was so nervous that day. I drove in. I'm like, these high schoolers are going to find me stupid. Like, I'm going to be a loser to high schoolers. I don't even know what I'm going to say. And I'm just going to be so embarrassed. I'm going to choke up. I'm going to have that weird, like, shaky voice when you talk in front of people. It's going to be awful. Yeah. And I went up there, and I literally just told the story that I told you. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to start from the beginning and tell you what it's been like. And I did. And then everybody at the end of class was like, that was so cool. Like you, like, where do you work now? What do you do? You're an educator. Like, what's your Instagram? And asked me all these questions. And I was like, whoa, like, that's not the perspective I had of myself at all. At all. Like, I was blown away that anybody even cared to listen to my story, nonetheless, took something really valuable from it. So I think that um, imposter syndrome was was there before I even knew what that was. I didn't even hear that term coined until probably last year and that was an eye-opening moment for me realizing that that story actually had power Mm -hmm. and gave me insight to who I was as a person because I had no idea that I could be inspirational in any type of way because I didn't even inspire myself so how the hell could I inspire people I didn't know Mm -hmm. I liked what you said, uh, it gave you power because that's, that's the switch, you know, that's the, that's the one thing that it personally is a trigger of mine. Now that I'm, you know, healing through things is when I hear the, the complaining and the lack of make it your power, don't make it your weakness. And I know it's to no fault of anyone's own. Cause we've all been in that position. Right. But when you're ultimately, when you're, when you're given a choice, sink or swim, you know, you have, that was the only two choices. There's no halfway. There's no kind of, there's no whatever, especially with this industry. It's either you get thrown to the wolves or you're coddled essentially. And, you know, you were thrown to the wolves day one, you know, and personally, I think that those who are thrown to the wolves end up persevering the most because they do get to deal with the tumultuous, just rigorous insanity part of our, of our industry um, but it ends up molding you in, into you are now, but also being able to look back and, and think, wow, like there was a lot of, a lot of myself that I didn't know that I, that I knew about, you know, and one thing is you telling your story and you helping people and you're like, wait, exactly. Like I don't inspire myself, but I inspire other people. This can be a power I'm powerful. And the moment that it like 
flips for you, that's when I feel like your career actually starts, you know? Totally. Yeah. I had no idea that the thing that I valued in so many other people that I would look up to for like educational classes that I would buy and whatnot, I had the same power they did. It was just sharing the story because everybody's individual power and everybody has one is the thing. Everybody has their own power because everybody's power is their own unique story. And even if you feel like you have no story, you have an internal monologue. And when you share that with people, that's, that's your power. Because when you start being vulnerable, then you're going to, you know, people perceive you one way. So when you show people who you really are and what your own truth is, that's the power to let people in and see it and then show it at the same time. And that's what we all need to do, especially with, the highlight reels of social media and you know everything is so perfect i mean the struggle to get there it's like there's 14 years of a lot of tears and like sometimes being like do i want to be in this industry anymore but i'm still here and there's 14 years behind it but when you look at someone on a 15 second reel on instagram you don't see 14 years behind it you see 15 seconds of what you want to hear or what you want to see mm-hmm. And it's not to pass judgment either. Like when I said those who've been thrown, you know, thrown to the wolves, you know, end up persevering the most. It's not even necessarily that. It's just I've noticed that those that are thrown to the wolves end up having a little bit more of appreciation of where they are and where they're where they're going. Um, I feel like it's personally it's forced me to figure out figuring out like what's my why? Why am I doing this? Why am I even a hairdresser? Why am I in the position that I'm in right now? You know. Um, and I feel like those that are able to look at that end up having a little bit more of a fruitful career than those who choose to kind of live in ignorance and kind of mm-hmm. choose to live in the Instagram world where everything is just perfect. And that's just not real. You know, um, I, the only reason why I say this is because and it, it sucks. It's such a weird line to draw. I struggle with those who are not open and vulnerable. I do. Because I, we all know that they're hurting inside and that they want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be, you know, felt and all that stuff. So I struggle yeah. with those who are not open to talk about whatever, um, because it frustrates me because I know their potential. Like, I know I want them to be this amazing person and they just won't let themselves, you know? Um, and I, I just, I struggle with it. It's my own personal thing. It's just because I want to fix them. I want to heal them, you know, and, and hearing it from stylists and working with stylists who are very surface level. Uh, it bothers me. It just does. I cannot be bothered with those who can't have an honest conversation with me like this. Um, and that's just my own personal thing. And it's not to say that they're good, bad, or, you know, indifferent. It's just, they're not the people for me. Um, yeah. I think that's why we got along so well is because we were able to just like open up, boom, this is us. This is what we got to offer. We love therapy. We love mental health. We love our jobs. We love being creatives and that that's the point of the brand too, is to, to, Hopefully those who are not as open to pull that out and be like, it's safe. It's okay. Like you are still a person at the end of the day, you know, you had, yeah. you had your tribulations. Like you had this incredible story that made you who you are. Like, that's a really beautiful thing. <laughs> it's not a weakness. It's a fucking, it's a strength. Like, fuck man, you overcome all these things. It's fucking dope. Yeah. And usually those things are so relevant to other people. So many people have the same fears. So if you like, if you share what your fear is, and this was something, this is like a, I don't know, some, some phase I've been going through this year too. It's been super powerful. I was like trying to envision what do I want my end goal to be? What does that look like? And I'm still figuring that out because I think that a, it's allowed to change. 
it's a fluid thing. I think that maybe, you know, one day, you know, maybe for five years, I want to be a color specialist. And maybe for two of my 14 years, I want to be a styling specialist. Like you're allowed to do whatever the fuck you want with your life because you're the one creating your future. So if you want it to be all of them, you can do all of it. But when I think about what the end goal is, and then I think about my road to get there, it's almost like I can like draw the image in my head. And then there are these obstacles in the path on the way there. What are those obstacles? I had to identify what those were because that's some kind of fear that I had. And I always looked at myself as being like, I'm ready to take on any challenge. I don't, I'm not really scared of much. Mm -hmm. So when I had to sit down and be like, if you weren't scared of much, you would already be where your end goal is. Mm -hmm. So what are those fears that are your obstacles? And naming those is its own kind of power. And putting a name to your fear takes away all of the power it has. So once you get to name it, that's something that my therapist said all the time. And I fucking love it so much. When you name it, you take away its power. So if your fear is not being accepted by others, or your fear is not being financially successful, or your fear is like public embarrassment, join the club. That's humanity. That's everybody's fear. And the people that I think I look up to most go through that. Like we see that vulnerable side of them where maybe one of their fears happens and they're still alive at the end of it. And that's why for me, the people I look up to, I admire because I can watch them and be like, I remember when they were here. Now look at them. Watching them kind of grow through this, this cycle called life and being able to take away the power from, yeah, these things that as individuals and as stylists, we, I just feel like oftentimes people forget that stylists are still people and um, a lot of stylists, well, anyone in general, but this is just geared towards stylists. A lot of stylists don't give themselves enough credit and just think, okay, I just got to keep pushing forward because social media, you know, you just gonna keep pushing and whatever, whatever, whatever. It's this linear line to success and it just isn't. And I, uh, I encourage anybody who's listening to this to, to talk about your downfalls on social media and to also talk about your highs on social media, to talk about a little bit of both. Cause, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but we are in fact all human and we do make mistakes. So I think that's um, important to remember uh, that, you know, we are real, we are flesh and blood. Um, mm-hmm. But I know we're, I knew this is going to happen. We're just going to get totally off topic, which is <laughs> fantastic. I love this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, one of the, one of the big things besides like Robin and I is obviously like instant chemistry talking about like the authenticity about our jobs. One of the things that really, like struck a nerve with me or like caught my fascination with you is you being plastic free and non-toxic and, you know, being eco-friendly basically. So what is your reasoning behind it? And how did, how did, I know you kind of talked about how you got into it, but how did you get into it? Like, how did it, how does working with, oh, this is another question, but I didn't put it on here. Um, what's it like working with basically the underdog? Cause all the indie brands are basically the underdogs. Yeah. Amen, sister. That's exactly right. So I love working with indie brands because they are so artist focused. They are so centered around promoting artists work and the people who believe in their mission. They are so just driven by passion and fueled by creativity and dreams that the people that I use I use Colton King, Afterworld Organics. Um, Away Organics is, is pretty big. They're a big one, but um, 
under Luna too. They don't actually sell to salons, but I love their products. Um, it's just, it's just incredible to work with these guys to be like, I know that you started out in Ohio, probably like, you know, in a kitchen or bathroom or something. And now you are creating plastic free glass, like sexy glass. I know this is audio only, but this packaging though. Look at Oh, how I know. sexy. So nice. So it it's sexy glass packaging that's refillable and um and just good for the planet. It's smart. It makes people realize that it is possible. And the other thing too is our landfills, as far as plastic, the plastic that is not recyclable that is in landfills, like 50% of it is made up by the beauty industry alone. It's somewhere between like 48 and 60 something percent. So I'm just going to go ahead and say 50, but it is an astronomical amount. And when you think about it, it's true. When you go over friends' houses and you know, you're in their bathroom, their hand soap, their shower gel, their shampoos, everything is in this thick, hard plastic that is or is not recyclable that you have to clean out all the way, but it's a foaming product. So are people actually going to rinse it out? Are they going to get frustrated and throw it in the trash? It's, it just takes up so much space. And I think for something that we use constantly, we're going to be using these products until we die. Why the fuck wouldn't you make it refillable? Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> why wouldn't you, you know? So that's why I love, um, I love the products that I use. And because they're all plant-based, they're all botanical. So you're not finding anything in there like fragrance or perfume that's really going to mess up someone's like immune system if they're immunocompromised or their asthma even it's not going to be like too strong and potent and the other thing too is as far as your individuality I mean we as people wear deodorant some of us wear perfume or cologne in our shampoo and all of these things that we have on our body like we don't need any strong strong perfumed fragrant scented toxins on us we don't need to just like spray those all over us so For our body chemistry, just to use essential oils and flower essences and things of earth, it's also nice because it affects the planet in a way where if you want to go swimming in a river, you don't have to worry about the stuff that's on your skin. And if you're going to, you know, be polluting water and if you go camping, how you're going to wash your hair, if we just make the baseline of what we use safe for the environment, then we don't have to feel so guilty when we find out how bad these products actually are. And as far as hair color... Um, <clears throat> I transitioned to plant-based hair color committed like fully almost four years ago now. And like I said, I had dabbled with it before, but the color line I had used before, I actually did not, I was not a fan of. So I did go back to different salons that were using other things. It's also very hard to find plant-based salons, although it's becoming a little bit more common now. But the color line I use is called Original and Mineral, and they are completely plant-based, no ammonia, And that's really important to me because I love this line because it, it offers great gray coverage. It's very cool based. It's almost like a, like a double or triple blue pigmented base, which is really hard to find because the last line that I used that was plant-based was triple gold pigmented mm -hmm. on the East coast. You know, you're from over here. It's just like, if it's, if it's warm, people aren't having it. They are not having it. Yeah. So, um, original and mineral I have found and I I stay with them because they are kind of the underdogs in that sense they are Australian based which most of my products and color are either from Australia or Italy because they have some of the highest FDA regulations 
And I love that. So in there, you know, in those countries, it's like you're allowed to put five things in a bottle. In America, it's like there's five things you can't put in a bottle because it's toxic. So it's kind of these reverse mentalities. And so that's why I want to support these brands because they give exceptional results without compromising health and or the planet. And that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. Something that uh, I feel like we need to beat into everyone's head is mm. by 2025, the uh, USDA, FDA, whatever fuck you want to call it, standards of beauty products has to be up to European regulations. So people just need to get with it and just understand that our world, our world has to go green or else our world will literally not be existing. I wish people were right. like, I could, I love talking about being a, what is it? Uh, what the hell is a tree hugger? I'm, I'm a tree hugger. Yeah. Call me whatever fuck it is that you want to call it. If people actually did the research on landfills and the amount of fresh water, the current, uh, the fossil fuels, the carbon, that's it, like all this stuff, I think it'd be very shocking. Um, I don't want to get into that because that's a whole other tangent, but <laughs> I think something that I really loved about this is just the, your, your passion sounds like it's a lot more than just, okay, you're not, okay, your hair just are awesome, but like what's underneath of that? So you're thinking of health. I love, 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 love. I'm very health forward as well. I, my consultation, I'm always asking, what are your medications like? What's your stress level, your water intake? Are you postpartum? Are you dealing with depression, anxiety, things of those nature? So it's really kind of cool to hear it from a different perspective. It's like, okay, but also topically, how are you being, you know, eco-friendly or and just being health conscious, you know? And I never even thought about that because you're like, you're absolutely right. You know, spraying perfumes, like that is, that is a harsh toxin, you know? And I don't even think about that. Uh, right. This is, is kind of cool to hear like, oh shit. Yeah. She's kind of right. You know, like, why would you load your body up with all these things and all these toxins that just sit and absorb into your body? Like, why would you do that? It sounds kind of silly. Yeah. Um, Consumerism, and baby. At its finest. Um, and another thing that Robin and I had talked about, uh, when her and I had just met was talking about the underdog brands. I, as much as I love supporting brands and supporting people and supporting, you know, the hair industry in and of itself. Um, it's really important to also myself as well to support brands that are actually going to give a fuck about us as professionals. Cause they're our jobs is to help spread the word, you know, like it's literally our jobs to tell people how to use it, when to use it, um, using it in general. So I have a little bit of a qualm with larger brands because at the end of the day, you're just a number. But with these smaller indie brands, these underdogs, these underdogs and these just smaller brands that give a fuck, I think what's so awesome is that it it gives us a chance to actually shine, to be educators, to tell our story, to show the world that we are a lot more than just a hairdresser, you know? We're able to change a lot of things, a lot of people's perspectives and mentalities and just a lot of a lot of different things. So I love that. Not only are you, you know, non-toxic and plastic free, but you're also working with the underdogs that those small people is what makes the difference. It's not the big head honchos and like, you know, fucking all that shit. It's the little guys that really make the difference, not the big guys. Yeah, that's right. And the thing is, too, is that these indie brands are not going to be able to be around if we, the creatives, don't support them. So if there are hairdressers out there who are like, I know, right? I fucking hate like 
L'Oreal or whatever, but you're using their products, you have to realize that you are giving them the opportunity to do that. So if you want to take a risk and a gamble, then try something new and you might just fall in love with it. But every, it's like voting with your dollar. I mean, everything, every product that you use, whether you're a hairstylist or, you know, you're in a coffee shop, whatever coffee beans you buy and where you buy them from, no matter what you do, you are creating a culture and you are voting with your dollar and you're telling people what's important to you with every decision that you make. So if you decide to support smaller businesses with your small business, that's how we can all lift each other up. And, you know, if conglomerates are kind of not your vibe and you don't love that they're using cheaper quality products for, you know, just to make in mass and, and make in bulk and then sell to the masses, then maybe just consider not buying that anymore and switching to something else. And um, I think you'll really be surprised at like whose attention you're going to grab and how much of a conversation starter it is and how much people as consumers really want to support that people want to support people. They don't want to support corporations. Mm -hmm. I 1,085% agree with everything that you're saying. You know, I, I, I try not to lead with like negativity, but it's a little bit kind of hard sometimes when talking about these things. Cause I know we're both so passionate and it's like, you know, what the fuck? Like, can we just get our shit together? You know? Um, <laughs> But that kind of leads me into like talking about big brands and talking about, you know, spreading awareness and, you know, building the awareness. What's your journey been like with social media? Oh, boy. Here it it's is. It's still like, a journey. Gonna get juicy. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Did you ever watch um, Whose Line Is It Anyways? Mm -mm. Well, it's this show. There we go. Oh. Am there I back? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, here's the thing. I, I love Instagram. I, one of my uh, peers, I guess I could say, she was in a coaching group that I was in. She said to me, we just like to call and catch up every couple months or every month. And she said, you know, I struggle with Instagram, but I'm starting to build my following and Although I don't understand it, I look at it as an art and I look at it as my own art that I'm creating and that's helped. And the moment she said that, I was like, you're so fucking right. It's so easy to get caught in this hamster wheel of being like, here's the secret Krabby Patty formula that you have to follow to like get your number higher or whatever so that you can rank as however successful you want people to imagine you to be. But when she said that, that's exactly what it is. If you look at it as an art form and then you interpret it as your own art, that's how you can like, that's how I, I should say, can build a better relationship with it. Because for me, and I talk with my boyfriend about this a lot too, because I don't think he quite understands why I have to post on social media as a small business and as an artist. And I tell him the whole point of social media is to be social. And that's my goal is to have real social connections with people and to talk to them in real life. The point of social media isn't to be friends with them on social media, it's to connect with them in real life. So as long as I keep my eye on that prize and know why I'm doing it, I just have to have tunnel vision for the people that I wanna meet and the community I wanna create and leave everything else to the wayside because it's like a constant test kind of tugging at you to be like, 
Do you know this algorithm? Do you want to use this trending audio? Is this filter? Do you need to make a reel today? And like pushing these things out. But at the end of the day, I want to use it to talk to people in real life. And if I don't know you in real life, I want to use it as a tool to get there to know you. So for me, my journey is ever evolving and I'm still figuring out a balance with it. But I think that I feel better about it now than I ever have before. And I think it's because I'm feeding it less. It's like it's like a, a little bit of a monster. So whatever I want to give it, I will. But for a while, I was trying to um, make my feed what other people wanted instead of just representing who I am. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a constant check and balance of what I want that to be. But how we were talking about authenticity and what that looks like and everything that we were talking about that night, it sounds counterproductive. And tell me, I mean, if this is true with you too, I have to remind myself to be authentic. It's being authentic isn't effortless. It's something that you have to be mindful of. And that's a full-time job. Yep. It is because you, you're authentic, you build the audience, you build what you want to build. And that's just, you know, when you called me out basically, um, in the best way possible too, it, I, wasn't reminding myself to be the true authentic Lisa that I usually am because we often fall into, okay, well, this works. So I'm going to keep doing this, but maybe it's not as authentic as I usually am, but it works. So I'm just gonna keep doing it, you know? And then until one day you're not fulfilled and you're like, what's wrong. And, And then you look back and you look at the things that you've been creating as a creative, you know, and you're like, oh, that's not something that I would usually create. Why did I do that? Oh, because you were chasing the money. You were chasing the you were chasing the brand. You were chasing the the audience. You were chasing the number. So yeah, it, every day it's a battle. Every fucking day because there's some days where I'm just really like unapologetically, unapologetically authentic, and then it doesn't quote unquote pop off. And then there's days where I do, and then it pops off, and I'm like, this is amazing, you know? Because I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, no matter what anyone says. The number does count. It does. Like how it, how people react to it does matter. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, like, don't care about it. It naturally you do. Yeah. You wouldn't really be on it if it wasn't right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a business. We're humans, right? So we do things to to get gratification. It's just what we do. Like, Like that's what's in our makeup, you know? So it'd be wrong to say, oh, like, I don't care about that. Like, yes, subconsciously you do. So then when the, when the authenticity isn't perceived as well, you skew it a little bit just so that way you can get the number. You know what I mean? Um, so every day it's a battle. You have to remind yourself, okay, why am I posting this? Don't post just to post. Post because you want to. Post because you like it. Post because you love what you're doing. Post because you want to tell a message. Post because you want to tell a story, you know? And even when it comes to brands, and that's why I personally struggle with finding brands that work well with me because I am authentic. I am unapologetic. I will tell the truth. Um, and that's something that I remind them, you know, Hey, I, this is who I am. You cannot give me a contract that has all these guidelines. Cause I promise you, I will not follow them. And that's something that I need to hold true to myself because I don't want to put myself in that position where I'm uncomfortable just because I want to chase the check. You know, and that's just, that's my own struggle with social media. And that's, as you build 
a following, you know, people want to work with you, but they want to tell you what to do. And it's like, no, no, it's not your social media. If you want to work with me, you want to work with me for me, not because of what I have to offer. A hundred percent. And I remember when I first met you, when we were at that rooftop bar, which is such a, a, a bizarre like situation to walk into, like me and my roommate, I remember being like, we're about to meet a bunch of people that we've never met before on top of roof rooftop bar. Like, how, how do we know it's them? <laughs> like, where yeah, do we know yeah. where we're going? And it was so fun. I'm so glad we did that. But when we were talking up there, one of the first things that you said were like, oh, I don't affiliate with brands. And I was like, I like this girl. Like, she's not, she doesn't sign contracts. Like, you're not going to sell your soul so that you can fit into someone else's mold. You're going to attract people if they're interested, like to your mindset and what you have to offer because they're interested in, in you, not because you're going to mold into and morph into whatever they want. And I appreciate that so much. And I feel like this is exactly the way the industry can go as long as we all realize that but we can do it. These corporations are absolutely nothing without us. Yes. These big names, all of these all of these people that we're trying to tag to get noticed by, they are 100% nothing without us. They are just a brand. So if we collectively decide, <laughs> if we decide that we have that power in that um, we just have that mindset, like the one that, that I see in you that you have, where it's like, if you're interested in me, that fucking rules, you have good taste. But if not, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool because it's not, you're not going to sell yourself out for it and you're not going to sign a contract, you know, to hit numbers or whatever. So I think that's the best thing that you could do. And I love that you don't, you're not just going to sign up with anybody. You're going to give, somebody sends you something, you're going to give raw, honest feedback. You're not just going to tell people what they hear. And I think that that's authenticity and that's what people are attracted to. And that's something that I love about you so much is that you will do something and be so goofy and show your personality. And then you'll also have something serious and educational to say, and you can be all of it at once. You are everything at once. And we, salad. we can do that. You're a salad. We're, a, we're both salads. I we're like salads. It. I like it. I, like <laughs> I want to be a salad, you know? Yeah. No tomatoes in my salad. I hate tomatoes. Okay. No tomatoes. For you, that's good to know. <laughs> uh, well, I, I appreciate that. Cause that it, it it's hard, you know, it's hard to be authentic in a world where not necessarily that, that authenticity is not welcomed, but not necessarily, you know, because social media still is, I feel like what's, what's beautiful about social media is it's slowly shifting into the being the more authentic. I mean, I, I look up trends and I, I do study social media, you know, so everything is actually shifting into being, people are wanting to see the who, what, where, when, and why people want to know about who these people are now. And it's no longer just this market of sell, 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 sell. It's the story sells, not the product anymore, which is thank fucking God because, and that's yeah. where I struggled because I don't sell things like that. I don't here buy this product. It's why are you plant-based? Because this, this, and this, that sells, you know, your personality and your why and your story and your reason behind it is what sells. And that's a hard concept for a lot of people to understand but then there's the other people that do understand it, you know? Um, and I'm very thankful and I'm glad that our industry is kind of shifting into that, kind of shifting into the authentic side. And I feel like we're slowly becoming more of a safe space for hairdressers to be individuals, you know? Um, but I like that comment. Like at the end of the day, like as much as I love these big brands and these big brands definitely have supported our industry and they've created our industry. At the end of the day, without hairdressers, where would they be? So- mm -hmm. 
taking away that power is very important. And I never thought of it that way until you, until you kind of said that. And it's not to be like, you know, fuck you, you're nothing without me, but it's more of why don't we, why don't we just get off our hard horses just a little bit? And why don't we, why don't we put ourselves in the same playing field? Cause realistically we are. You exactly. Know, you're a head fucking honcho brand or an indie brand. We're still the same playing field because we're nothing without each other. We need the products and they need us to use the products. So why don't we create that level of communication and respect for each other to then build this industry the way that it probably should be. But no, that's, you know, that's authenticity. That's real. That's honest. That's raw. And that's not going to sell, but it, but it does, you know, and it, it's such a hard message to portray to people because I let get a lot of questions daily. How do you do it? How'd you build your, how'd you build your business? How'd you do this? How'd you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I am who I am. Like, and it, it's such a hard thing to teach too. You know, like I would love to teach my students and my, my, my stylists, like how to be a vulnerable and how to be authentic. But reality, like confidence is one of those things that is, it's not taught, it's learned. If you tell yourself, I am, I am a non-toxic, plastic-free educator in a safe salon that is gender neutral and caters to all types of life. That's what you become, you know? I'm a solution-based artist, creative, who does not pass judgment, who welcomes box color, who likes those kinds of things. And I'm not a hairdresser. I'm a creative, you know, and I, I like to create connections and be authentic and whatever. That's what I am. So I think to, you know, debunk social media, social media is exactly what you want it to be. It's hard. To, it's hard because you definitely fall into the, the, the hamster wheel, the traps of everything else. But if yeah. like you're saying you're feeding it less, if you're pulling it back, you're like, what do I want it to be? Because this is what I want. Taking away that power from social media is really, really important to anybody who's listening. Social media does not have to define you. It does not have to be your crutch. It does not have to be the one thing of life. But I will say now in today's society, the best way to build connections is through social media. But having a true intention for social media is what's key. You know, I like how you said you use it to create to create connections, real life connections. I like that. I yeah. I I never thought about it that way, but I think I do too. I would love to meet everybody, not everybody, but you know, everybody that I interact with because gosh, they support me is fucking crazy. Like that's insane. What the hell? <laughs> Or my crazy ass, you know, or like any of our crazy asses, like that's fucking crazy. And I, I love that so much. Um, and, but as soon as I took away the power of social media, like social media does not define me. That's when it started like popping off, you know, because I became Lisa and I became authentic and whatever. And I still have my struggles, but I know I'm just kind of going on tangent, like kind of going all over the place, but I think. No, to, that's exactly what I'm here for. To summarize this, um, hearing your quote unquote, well, not struggle. Carrying your journey with social media is pretty much on par with what mine is. Is I'm just, I'm just different. Like we are, we kind of have the same mindset. It just looks different, you know. I yeah love content creation. I love. I've always kind of loved that kind of stuff. Um, and I love telling my story. And I found a lot of power in it. You know, we found a lot of power in our stories and stuff. And the reciprocation and the the following that I'm building is very slow but it, it's, it's working, you know, and it, I no longer look at it as a job. It's just more of like, almost like a blog, 
and just kind of talk yeah. about things that I love and who I am and my personal development. And it's kind of beautiful to create this brand that is literally the fuck you mentality, a solution based, non judgmental, friendly, free environment. Um, it's very surreal. And I still am like, have I really done this? Is this really happening? You know, that imposter syndrome that comes in, but anyway, you sure have in rant, <laughs> in rant. <laughs> no, but I think that, um, you know, everything that you said is totally valid and it's, it's not linear. Like your journey to finding out how that works is going to be all over the place. And the thing that we are in an interesting period too, because are you a millennial as well? Yeah. Yeah. So as millennials, I remember going through beauty school and through all the salons that I worked at, every owner would be like, okay, I want you to post this on Instagram, but there was always a hair Instagram. It was always like, you are never allowed to post your personal life on Instagram because you're not a person. I feel like it has taken me fucking years to undo that mentality because still I have I made a personal Instagram like two years ago that I hardly post anything on. It's like mostly my house renovation. And other than that, I mostly do it on my hair page because I'm like, why do I have to fucking split into two different people? Because the people who sit in my chair know very much who I am as a person. So why is it only hair content that I should be posting on my hair Instagram? That's such bullshit. And it's a disservice to everyone because then people don't get to meet you and understand you. So I'm still unlearning that. And I think generationally we are in that wave where it's like some people understand that and some people feel like there should be a professional only and there's no right or wrong answer to it. You're allowed to do whatever the hell you want. But I think that Instagram is going to be the marketing of the future if it's not already. I know that there are a lot of word of mouth referrals and, you know, I still grow in that way, especially too. But I think that when I'm out and about in my tiny state and people are like, you look familiar. Do I recognize you? It's probably from Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's probably from the internet because that's how things evolve. Is somebody shares something who knows people who share something who hits their audience. And, you know, that's how we are going to get referrals in the future. So if, you, if people don't know who you are, then they're not going to remember what you are either. People don't sit in your chair because of what you do. People sit in your chair because of who you are. I'm learning that more and more every day. Your skill set doesn't mean shit. You could be the world's worst doctor, like, like practitioner wise, like actual execution wise. But people, his books are probably still full. Why? Because he has great bedside manner. You know what I mean? Like you could, you could literally, you could destroy someone's haircut, and they still sit in your chair because they just love the shit out of you. You know, because they people I follow who are that way, a hundred percent. That's just how it works. Like, I get that we are a service-based industry, which absolutely, I totally understand that, but we're really not. You know, why? I always ask my, I always ask my my guests, why did you sit in my chair? And it usually is because your authenticity, how real you are, your personality, how quirky you are, how open you are, what I've seen on social media. Not because I do hair. <laughs> they can sit in fucking anybody's chair who's a hairdresser, but what the hell makes me any different? Because our personalities resonate. You and I, Robin and I, our personalities resonate. 
So that would entice us to help each other out, you know, because we are one of each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so funny they're putting that out because I, yes, that is, that is absolutely true. It used to be you are a hairdresser and then you get to be somebody else, right? Secondary. They can never be the same thing. But now we are molding into this kind of like influencing world that is no longer just influencers, like not just like the traditional standard influencer. Like the, I was reading this thing, like the the norm, the standard influencer is dead. Like it's no longer a thing. It doesn't sell anymore. People, people want to know who the professionals are, like not just who they are, but like who they actually are, you know? And it, I do agree that there, I have that same struggle too. Like, oh, is this too much? Like, should I be posting more hair shit? Should I be posting more personal stuff? Like, fuck, I'm kind of at a, at a line, you know, what's professional, what's not like whatever. Um, but that that's it. That's the reality of our business. People recognize you off of social media because maybe you posted your cat and they saw you at a local bar and they're like, oh, they had this really cool cat. Hey, like, how are you? You know, how are you doing? How's your cat doing? Oh my gosh. I love your hair. Can I book with you? See how like that it's no longer, I'm a hairdresser. It's I'm the woman with that cat that you saw. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can, yeah, it can be so many things. It can be just because oh, I have goodness. copper and blonde hair. Hey, yeah. I saw that hair before. I really you like, know, like Can you yeah, do don't me? even know my name? Exactly. Exactly. And it, as soon, and I, I truly hope anybody who's listening to this can feel the passion that I have about this, because as soon as you have that revelation, as soon as you no longer give social media that power, it is literally just an open diary. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I have to offer to myself. I'm offering it to myself. This is my, this is just who I am. That's when social media works. It it no longer works for these static you know, posed, perfect, perfect, poised, whatever fucking bullshit. And as much as I tried to be neg- not to be negative about this, the standard influencer is dead. It is mm. so oh, mind numbing to hear and to constantly get questioned, you know, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do social media? And these, these influencers, these, these younger stylists that are asking me these questions and I'm looking at their feed and I'm like, no, 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 no. Please don't fall into that hole. You are comparing yourself to me. We are two totally different walks of life, bestie. Like, don't do that. How do I yeah. build? How do I build your feed? You don't want my feed. I promise you, you don't. You want to build your feed. Yeah. You you want to build your story. Yes. And I, I'm I'm starting to come up with like almost like a script. You know, whenever I get asked these questions, and they honestly these interviews help me help me figure out what to ask or what to say to these people. The the first thing I like to say now is, well, what's your why? And they, yes. that usually stops them. Hundred percent. That's a distributor that I used to work with. That that was it was almost like their tagline. Like every time there was an educational class for them, what's your why? Like why are you doing this? Why are you taking this class? Why do you want to be a hairdresser? You have to know what your why is, or else you're wasting your money trying to learn anything. At the end of the day, that money and that fame and that fortune and what the fuck ever, it's not going to come with you when you die. Why not live a fruitful career and live a fruitful life? For who you want to be versus what society wants you to be. I, I say this, I'll say it before and I'll say it again and I'll preach it to the high mountaintops. I will not die as a hairdresser. I will die as Lisa G. This young, charismatic, 
a successful entrepreneur who was funny, who was full of life, who traveled, who did all of these things, but I will not die as a hairdresser. Yeah. And Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so true. It's yeah, it's true. And it's the title of our field has also evolved over time too, where it's like, you know, stylists once used to be revered. They used to be celebrities themselves because they would hang out with the most elite and they would be going to the coolest places and doing the coolest things. And then it turned into this very service-based industry when we became servers to doing whatever people wanted and we catered to their needs and not, have you ever thought about doing a color block that would look so fucking dope on you? Have you ever done like a fashion color before? That would be sick. Mm-hmm. It took like it took the creative uniqueness away from it and then was just like, I would like this picture that I saw on Pinterest that has filters and that has, you know, face toned qualities and not real at all. I want I want to look like this. Mm-hmm. And so now we get we're taking the creativity back. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something cool that comes with Damn um, social media right. too. Yeah. We get to show people the process. We get to show people the reality. We get to show this is what it actually looked like before. This was the eight hours in between. And this is how it looks afterwards. And we get to show that because it's the real deal. It's the end result. It's not like this edited thing. It's at least, you know, that's the goal. Because I was listening to an episode that you had previously when you were talking about editing pictures and that is 100% the problem is that if we keep perpetuating this editing picture scenario, then we are feeding the monster that is having our clients coming in with edited photos that we're never going to be able to accomplish because it's not real. Keyword real. Like if anyone's listening to this entire podcast, the one, the one like common consensus to everything that we've said so far, just be real. That's it. That's also the new app. <laughs> yes irony in that yes yeah the irony the key to success social media our careers at the end of the day is just be real that's it as 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 easy as that sounds it just that's it and that leads me to my last and final question robin if there is a piece of advice that you feel is so valuable to you that you've learned and that you were given or whatever the case may be, what is it? Hmm. Or that you feel like would be valuable to our, to our listeners? I think it's a two-parter. Okay. I think that everybody, every human on earth could benefit from deep diving into emotional intelligence and what that looks like for you. I think that we all, the more we all learn about our own emotional intelligence, the better we can react to the situations around us and the more proactive that we can be to whatever life throws at us and you will find yourself prepared for it. And the second is more of a question and it's something that you can ask yourself every day because it might change every day. But the piece of advice is figure out what success is to you. Maybe... It's financial, maybe it's not at all. Maybe it's having five days off a week and working two and doing what you love for two days a week. 
Maybe it's traveling a whole lot. Maybe it's doing all of those things. Maybe it's owning a business. Or maybe it's doing a completely different career path and having the courage to do that and admit that to yourself. But if there's any piece of advice to make your life simpler, find out what success means to you. And then you have a chance of getting it. That was good. That was deep. You know how I do. Mm -hmm. Figuring out what success looks like to you because success is not linear. Success is not the same for everybody. It can be one way or the other way. And, you know, I like that, you know, having the courage to step away from what you thought success was and, you know, embarking on a different journey like that takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of courage. And that takes a lot of emotional intelligence to be able to look at yourself and say, I'm not happy, you know? Yeah. Um, Let me ask you that question. What is, what piece of advice would you give to people? Oh. <laughs> um, advice. Okay. Okay. So it kind of goes in, in, in tandem with, me screaming to the mountaintops, I will not die as a hairdresser. Um, figure out your why. Be, be, what's the word I'm looking for? Be humble enough to look yourself in the mirror and figure out your why, like what success looks like to you, basically. What's your why? What's your purpose? Why do you, why do you exist? And be so fucking unapologetically yourself that it inspires other people to do it too. You know, that's, that's the point of the fuck you mentality is to be just the most authentic, truest version of you that it inspires others and gives them the power to also do it too. Cause you don't, you probably didn't realize when you told your story at that school, there was probably a couple kids in there struggling, you know, with God knows what, and you gave them the validation. You gave them the right, you gave them the power, you gave them the go ahead to keep going. Cause you were just, you just existed, you know, you just are Robin, you know, and it's, it's kind of amazing that we have that power. We don't realize we have that power, but be so authentic, unapologetically you that it, it just inspires other people to do, do it too. Amen. Let people ask that question and then answer it honestly mm -hmm. about yourself. Yep. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Fuck You Mentality. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It's just, it's nice to just kind of shoot the shit with another stylist and just another individual that I actually do know in person. <laughs> um, and just, I will say this too, like meeting, like not to be like sentimental and weird, but like meeting Robin in real life, but never having any like perception of her beforehand. Like I didn't even really I didn't even know her name I just was like hey come hang out with us you know let's all hang out you know whatever <laughs> yeah. um that was personally it was difficult for me because I struggle with meeting people I struggle with making friends because I I don't I don't trust people it's just it's a it's a thing that I'm lurking through you know um but I wanted to do that because I wanted to challenge myself and I, I wanted to make friends I don't have friends and I, I wanted to make them so by doing that a cause you know required a lot of vulnerability and also required a lot of vulnerability from Robin to also trust some random stranger 
to come meet us at this random hotel on a random uh, <laughs> fucking uh, sky bar, you know? Um, but from there, I've been able to create these really awesome connections with Robin and Brittany and Steph and Hannah and like all these people that we've met. But it, what it took was being so unapologetically me. I love people. I love making friends, even though I'm scared of it, but I had to do it. You know, I had to do it for myself to, I've been saying, I want to make friends so that I had to do it, you know? And from there, I've been able to create this amazing connection all because I, I put myself in this uncomfortable situation that I know I needed to be in and it, you know, I've inspired you, you know, and you've inspired me. So it's like to take away from this, this like journey that we've, this mini journey that we have, it's been, it's been kind of awesome to see my, my personal growth as reaching out to you and like wanting to be friends with you and like having you on the podcast and continuing this relationship. It's a big step for me because I don't do that. And I'm yeah. proud of myself because I have a friend. I have a friend. Yeah. Like a friend, I, friend in real life. In real life. I'm so glad that you hit us up to meet you on that rooftop because you've got a friend in me. And um, I'm just so happy to know you because we just vibe so quickly. And you are exactly the kind of people that I want in my life. So I'm so glad that you hit me up that night. Same friend. I have five. This is why I have five. All right, guys. I love it. Thanks for being a part of our, our cry session. No, I'm kidding. Um, I love all of you so much. Thank you everyone for listening to this. This is the fucking mentality and stay tuned for our next episode.